Well, even as a kid, I loved going to church. I was fascinated by, I loved singing the songs, the hymns. I was fascinated by Sunday school and learning about the Bible, and we, we memorized the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed and the things that Luther wrote and taught about them so that we could understand more about their meaning. Now, I attended a, a liturgical church, so each week, as part of our service, we recited things together. Which, and the things we recited were full of rich, deep content. But one of the challenges of reciting them each week is that you get really familiar with the words and you don't always listen to them. But each week, as part of the service, we would confess our sins together. We would say, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you, Lord, in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. It was a true representation of what Scripture teaches about our sinful nature. And as Jesus himself said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And against that standard, we just can't stand. I accepted that confession as a representation of my standing before God and believed what Scripture said about me. But I struggled to believe as the pastor then in the liturgy would declare that our sins were forgiven because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And it was challenging for me because I knew exactly what the pastor was saying was printed in the hymnal. And I wasn't confident that the publisher of the hymnal could be assured that it was true of me. And so I loved going to church and I wanted to follow after God, but I, I struggled to be assured that God's love was for me. I knew with confidence that Jesus loved the whole world and he died for our sins. But I just thought, maybe not for me. But God worked in powerful ways and as I continued to learn and grow, he led me through a variety of circumstances and opportunities and experiences where eventually he helped me see that Jesus knew exactly who he was dying for and that he really did give his life for everyone who would believe. And so I received, I had that personal experience of salvation. I received forgiveness. And I received assurance of salvation. The passage we're going to examine today, 1 John 5, 11 through 13, is an anchor passage that has helped me and many people find assurance of salvation. So 1 John 5, 11 through 13. 1 John is a small little letter. It's included for us in our Bible almost at the very end of the New Testament. It's written by John 
the disciple, the apostle, Jesus' best friend, to believers in the first century. And John writes, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So as we examine this passage today, I want to highlight three things from this passage that God gives. The first is that God gives life. And I tried to make that big, but it's kind of tiny, isn't it? Um, God gives life. He gives us eternal life. And we're reminded that this is a gracious gift from God. We don't deserve life or relationship with God. We're not worthy of it. Those things I confessed again and again, week after week, as I was growing up, they're true. In our own nature, human beings want to be God themselves and they stray from God and try to go their own way. We try to live apart from God. And it's a path that leads to destruction. We don't deserve life from Him, but He gives it through Jesus. In the first chapter of 1 John, he explains this a little further. He says, This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, from God, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So if we continue to live apart from God, and don't trust him and believe him, but we think we're in relationship with him, we deceive ourselves. But in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if we're with Jesus, when we trust him, then we're walking with God in the light, and the blood of Jesus covers all our sins. God gives life. Now last week, Pastor Kirk walked us through a series of passages from Matthew where Jesus talked again and again and again about the reality of hell. Evil, it's clear, brings chaos, scarcity, discord, and it spreads quickly and exponentially. Even as we look historically in, as recorded in Scripture, the experience of human beings, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they made the fateful decision to trust themselves, to trust something else other than God, to question whether he cared enough about us. And by the second generation, their kids, we already see murder happening among human beings. Evil brings chaos, scarcity, discord, and it spreads quickly. 
We all desire a world where bad things don't happen, but we don't often recognize how deeply embedded in us that evil lives. Now, hell is not our topic for today, but it's important that we recognize that this path of destruction is where our nature leads us. But God, in his grace, wants to give us a different path. He wants to give us life. Hell is the place where evil will go when God will eradicate it from the experience of his people. But what is clear from the passage today is that God's gracious desire is that we be with him. Redeemed and restored as his people through Jesus' death and resurrection so that we don't suffer apart and live apart from him. God gives eternal life and he describes his desire for relationship with us, with all human beings, throughout scripture. And it's captured, I think, very beautifully in Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Where God through Jeremiah declares, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. God echoes this declaration, his desire, his hope, the, work he, the gracious work he wants to do in human beings throughout Scripture, that we would be his people and he would be our God. The second thing we see that God gives in this passage from 1 John 5 is clarity. John writes, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And in verse 12, he expounds on that. Whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's not a mystery or a guessing game. God wants us to understand the realities. He wants us to understand the truth of how we can be on a path with him or remain on a path apart from him. Whoever has Jesus has life. Whoever does not have Jesus does not have life. God gives life and this life is in his son. If we reject God, we reject life. It's not mysterious. It's not a guessing game. And it's quite, he makes it as simple as possible. It's not about appeasing him, like many religions are. It's not about trying to guess to figure out what he might do so we can manipulate him. It's not about control. It's not about trying to make sure that we do more right things than we do bad things so that the balance at the end will weigh out right. If we're with Jesus, we have life. If we're not with Jesus, we don't. In Isaiah 64, 6, this, passage, this verse has been super helpful to me 
to help us see that even our good things are not good enough. God declares that all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. They're all tainted by our sin. We all shrivel up like a leaf. We don't have life in ourselves. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Only Jesus can make us righteous. And when we believe him, trust him, that's exactly what God does. God gives us clarity. He says in, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see the echo, they will be my people and I will be their God. He wants to bring us into his family. Uh, years ago, there was an action comedy film starring Tom Cruise called Night and Day. And in it, Tom Cruise plays this kind of crazy, seemingly insane CIA-type agent. Uh, and he ends up teaming up with this woman that just kind of randomly he interacts with in an airport, played by Cameron Diaz. And there's this point at which uh, the government officials are chasing after them. Well, I mean, that's most of the movie. But um, there's this point at which Tom Cruise's character is trying to convince Cameron Diaz's character that her best bet is to stay close to him because he can navigate the challenges and keep them safe and get them through this. And so he... He looks at her and he says, with me, your chances of survival are here. Without me, they're here. With me, without me. With me, without me. God gives us clarity. When we're with Jesus, we have life. When we're not with Jesus, we don't have life. And finally, from this passage, God gives us assurance. This is one of the most profound things about the God of the Bible that sets him apart from all the other things we could worship and all the other deities we imagine. God wants us to know him, not only serve him, that's part of our the experience of knowing him as we serve him, we submit ourselves to him because he is great and mighty and he's our creator and we need him. But he invites us to have a relationship with him, not just to be slaves to him. But more than that, he wants us to experience peace in our relationship with him. We're not just some hamster on a wheel trying to prove ourselves to God and trying to demonstrate, get his attention and hope that he'll be approved, he'll approve of us. He desires relationship with us. Other gods manipulate us and seek to control us. And certainly God has instructions for us, but they're the instructions of a loving parent who made us, who loves us, who sacrificed to rescue us, 
and wants what's good for us. Ultimately, he wants relationship with us. When we're with Jesus, we have life, period. And we can trust him. At the very end of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, there are some other helpful verses that kind of bring out the truth of this, I think. Verse 17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Now it's important that we see that when we're with Jesus, we have life. When we believe in Jesus, we are in a secure place. He takes care of us. We are his. But Peter talks to these believers in the first century and says, but be warned. The world is still a dangerous place. You don't want to be caught up and carried away in the air of the lawless and drift from Jesus and then reject him. Because when you're not with Jesus, you're in a dangerous place. But with Jesus, you're secure and you have life. But as we begin to get entangled, even as believers, in the errors of the lawless, we start to get stressed and concerned. Sometimes, hopefully, we recognize the truth and we want to know, how do we fix that? What does God expect of us? And I think verse 18 is super helpful and it echoes the truth that we see in 1 John 5. So, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of the lawless and fall from your secure position. You don't want to leave that behind. But instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, it's important that we recognize that God gives life graciously, and this life comes to us by faith in Jesus, his son. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and he demonstrated victory over it to the empty grave. We never earn salvation. We can't be good enough. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Compared to the righteousness of God, they're just dirty attempts. So we can't earn salvation, but it's also important that we know that as we begin to walk with the Lord and those sins and the error of the lawless are revealed more and more in us by the truth of God's word, that we still don't have to be afraid then. It doesn't, notice that God doesn't say, we'll fix all that. Do the right thing all the time so that I can continue to love you. Instead, we don't have to be afraid of the truth of God's word exposing things that are rotten in us. Because if we're with Jesus, 
We have life. And as God continues to let the light of his word shine and expose the darkness in us, we can confess it and we're already in the right place to confess it and in peace receive forgiveness from the one who died to pay for those sins. And so as we begin walking with Jesus, the burden of righteousness still falls on Jesus and not on us. If we're with Jesus, we have life. And so as we start to recognize the error of the lawless in us, God says, don't spin your wheels trying to fix it on your own, but instead turn to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Experience forgiveness more fully from him. And you will stay in that secure position. Because when we're with Jesus, we have eternal life. So we confess we stay close to Jesus. We experience forgiveness and love. Because when we're with Jesus, we have life. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. Humbled but welcomed. We don't deserve to be in your presence and yet you've made a way for us. You've made space for us and you've called us to you. Lord, we pray that you would grow our faith. That you would help us to grow in the knowledge of your grace. The knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge of your love. We pray that you would hold us tight. Lord, we pray that you would allow the truth of your word to be at work in us, to expose what's wrong, what's sinful, what's dangerous, so that we can see it, recognize it, be aware of it, confess it, and trust you to remove it from us. But Lord, we thank you that you are the gracious giver of life, eternal life. that you've made it simple for us to understand, you've brought clarity for us. And we thank you that you give us assurance. You have a plan for us and that when we trust you, you hold us close. The error of the lawless is in us and it's all around us. It's distracting and it's tempting pray that you would guard and protect us. Make us strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That you would be glorified, honored. We desire to be your people. And we know you are the one true God. In Jesus' name.